Please open your Bibles with me once again to the book of the Psalms. This morning we'll be looking at Psalm 56. The Lord willing, the Lord enabling, I pray that we may once again behold the gospel of our salvation. Indeed, that I may hold forth once again to your view our blessed Redeemer and righteousness, Christ Jesus the Lord. Now in this psalm, David is speaking about something the enemy does to God's people every day. Every day, beloved, we're going to come face to face with this enemy. And so just as it was in David's day, so too it is in our day. You see, these things mentioned here in our text are common to all of God's people. And so here in this psalm, and indeed throughout the Word of God, the Lord sets forth light for our path. David says, beginning in verse 1, Be merciful to me un unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, O God. For man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. In effect, David is saying, I fight a host of enemies every day who desire to swallow me up. Now, who are these enemies? Well, the enemies that David speaks of here are men of this fallen world, people who hate God, people who hate the gospel, people who hate you who believe Christ. And those stone-hearted, unconverted men, well, they're hard to deal with, are they not? And so you see, beloved, we need help in this daily struggle, indeed, this daily battle as we wrestle against our enemies. And remember, beloved, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And here in our portion we see something here that we can do every day. Dealing with those daily that oppress us and fight against us, we see here God setting forth, beloved, what we may do. What are we to do? Seek God's mercy. Again, verse 1. O God, be merciful to, unto me. O God, be merciful unto me as I wrestle as I battle against my enemies. And my believing friend, the worst enemy we have, indeed the worst enemy that we have, is seen there in verse 1. Yes, David is referring to evil men, but notice how he says there in verse 1, Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. A man would swallow me up. He is daily fighting and oppressing me. You see, the enemy to which David is referring to is more than just men of this fallen world. Further to that, David is referring to the fallen nature of man. And beloved, you and I carry that old man with us all the time. You see, my old man nature, that old man would swallow me up every day. He would just run me into the ground and defeat me every day. Indeed, the old man would get rid of the new man if he could. You see, every day that old man, 
That unrelenting enemy wages war every day, every day a battle that goes on inside, and you who believe will bear witness to that reality. You see, this is not some mere religious notion. This is not some theory. Rather, this is an ongoing battle between the old man and the new man, and something that we experience every week, beloved, even this very day, this very moment. My friend, if you believe God, you're fighting this battle right now. And though I may not see your tears and you may not see mine, inwardly we cry out, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And so what can I do when the enemy would devour? What can I do when that enemy seems so strong, when it seems like he will devour me? Beloved, seek mercy from God. Seek mercy in Christ. My friend, that's the only way to be delivered from that old man. Turn with me to Romans chapter 7, if you would. Romans chapter 7. Beginning in verse 24, Paul writes, O wretched man that I am. Am. He doesn't say that I was. No, no. Rather, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Who shall deliver me from this wretched body that would devour me? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's how I'll be delivered. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. My friend, if you'd be delivered from that old man, if you'd be delivered from that sinful flesh of yours, that sinful, wretched flesh, seek mercy in Christ. You see, sinner, he's the only one who came to live for you. Indeed, he came into the world to save sinners. Now, returning to our text, notice how David says there that the old man daily oppresseth me. Now that word there means to cause distress or to cause to be stressed. Well, how does the old man cause us so much distress? How does the old man, that wretched man, in each and every one of God's people distress us? He does so by all those things he whispers in your ear and mine. Well, what does he whisper? Well, that good-for-nothing old man whispers in your ears and mine, Joseph, you know you're not good enough. How can you be a Christian and do such a thing? Look at you. If only you would start acting better, then God will bless you. You know, God couldn't save somebody as awful and filthy as you are. You better clean yourself up. You better straighten up and fly right and start keeping some of the law. Then maybe God will bless you when you start acting better, when you start performing better, then maybe you can go and ask God to do something for you. And that's what the old man, this flesh, whispers in your ears. And what's the result? Well, that causes us to be oppressed. It causes us to be distressed, indeed to be stressed. Why? Well, because we can't keep the law, beloved. We can't do anything to make ourselves better. We're ruined in sin. 
Now, to the believer, that's not just theory. Rather, beloved, that's your experience. Every day, even now, you who believe cry, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. And beloved, when we say that, help thou mine unbelief, we're doing exactly what David and all of God's people do. Being oppressed from within and without, we cry with David, be merciful unto me, O God. My friend, don't ask God to give you what you deserve. Rather, cry out, be merciful unto me, O God. Indeed, ask our Heavenly Father to be merciful to you for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. Now, what is it for God to be merciful to you? Well, mercy is God not giving to you what you deserve. Rather, when we say, be merciful to me for Christ's sake, we're saying, God, be merciful to me because you gave Christ what I deserve. My friend, that man or woman, that boy or girl who cries to God, God, be merciful to me, the sinner, will receive mercy. My friend, I don't care who you are. Seek mercy from God. You see, if I'm lost, I need God to show me mercy. And the only way I can be saved is if God shows me mercy. Indeed, the only way a sinner can be saved is by the unmerited, undeserved mercy of God. You see, it's got to be unearned, undeserved mercy, because we can't do anything to earn any part of it. It's got to be all of mercy, all of God's mercy. And so, beloved, when that old man whispers in your ear, mercy answers every desperate need of my soul by giving me salvation in Christ without attributing that to any of my works. And my sinner friend, that's exactly what every sinner needs, salvation in Christ. My friend, if you see your need to be saved by Christ alone, through faith alone, cry out for mercy. Cry out for God's unspeakable gift. Oh, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. My friend, may God grant you to cry out and to beg for his mercy in Christ. And you who believe, you who believe, we never get past this. We never get past crying out for God's mercy. It doesn't end when God regenerates me and reveals himself to me. Rather, his grace teaches me that I need his mercy every day, every moment to comfort my weary heart. You see, I need to be reminded of God's mercy every day. Because that old man is always reminding me of my sin, of my daily failures, of my daily falling short when, of the law of God. And God requires perfection to keep his law. We don't keep the law of God according to our standards. If the law of God is to be kept, it must be kept according to God's standards. And what does that, where does that leave us? Well, some of you are grandparents. You know what God requires of you? Perfection. Some of you are husbands. God requires of you perfection. Some of you are fathers and mothers. And God requires perfection of you. And none of us can render to God what he requires. The only man to have ever lived, that lived out a perfect life before our Heavenly Father, is our Lord and God, Jesus Christ. You see, he does not need to establish righteousness for himself. No, no, he established a perfect righteousness 
on behalf of his people. And so when that old man says, Joseph, you're a failure. I need that new man declaring, yes, but God is a success. (laughs) When that old man says, Joseph, you're wicked. I need that new man in me declaring, yes, but God is holy. And in Christ, Joseph, you are as he is. Holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. You see, the only thing that will answer every one of the old man's accusations is the mercy we've been given in Christ. You see, the mercy we've been given in Christ will shut up the old man every time. Now, though the old man will keep coming back with his accusations, mercy will shut him up and give you relief from that man's daily fight and oppression. And you know what makes the accusations of that old man so hard? What makes his accusations so oppressive? Well, it's because what he says is true. That old man says, Joseph, you're not good enough. And that's absolutely true. That's why I'm seeking the Lord for mercy. That's why I can say with the Apostle Paul, I don't want to be found in a righteousness as touching the law. I want to be found in the perfect righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God's mercy in Christ answers every accusation. You see, beloved, everything that was against us, which was contrary to us, the Lord took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Beloved, God's free and sovereign mercy will answer every charge that causes all of our stress and oppression. And so, my friend, call out to God for mercy. And should God enable you to do that, well, he'll, he'll relieve you of all that stress. David cries, Be merciful unto me, O God, O Thou Most High. Now, beloved, though our enemies be many, though they be powerful, they all will be made to be silenced. All the charges they bring against us, though they be true, we are sinful, we are shameful, We don't deserve anything but the wrath of God. But you see, my friend, we're not pleading for justice. No, no, rather we're pleading for mercy. Mercy from the Most High God. Mercy from Him who shall not fail to save to the uttermost His people. You see, beloved, our enemies are powerful, but our defender is more powerful. He's the Most High. Yes, beloved, our enemies bring true charges against us, but our advocate is more powerful. He's the Most High, and the blood and the intercession of the Most High is going to win out every single time. Yes, beloved, our enemies fight against us daily, but our advocate is the Most High, whoever lives making intercession for you and me who believe on Him. And though my sin is ever before me, though my enemies bring up my sin to me all the time and it stresses me out, But God, my advocate, is the Most High, who liveth, making intercession for me, and so I call out for mercy from him who will relieve my stress and oppression. Beloved, daily cry out for mercy from the Most High. My friend, flee to the Savior who cannot and shall not fail to save sinners from their sins. All right, verse 3. Psalm 56, verse 3. What time 
I am afraid. I will trust in thee. I will trust in thee. Now, if you would, turn with me to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 21. I want us to read about the circumstances that caused David to write this psalm. 1 Samuel chapter 21. Now, this is when David is on the run from Saul, and he went there to Elimelech, the priest, and asked him for a sword and some bread. And Elimelech said, Here's the sword of Goliath. And David said, There is none like that. Give it me. And David left that place. He had bread. He had the sword of Goliath. And though God promised, David, I'll go with you, look what he did in verse 10. And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul. And where did he go? He went to Achish, the king of Gath, the Philistine king. Verse 11. And the servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart. And now he was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And he changed his behavior before them and feigned himself mad. He pretended to be mad in their hands and scrabbled on the doors of the gate and let his spittle fall down upon his beard. Then said Achish unto his servants, Lo, you see, the man is mad. He's gone crazy. Wherefore then have ye brought him to me? Have I need of madmen that ye have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? And the king said, No, he won't. And he sent him on his way. Poor David. David's fear caused him to do something foolish, did it not? His fear caused him to go seek refuge with the Philistines, the Philistines of all people. And then he got so afraid of them and so he thought to himself, I'll get out of this by acting like I've lost my mind. Just scrabbling on the door, letting spit fall down on his beard, just acting and playing the fool. And people looked at him and they said, is this God's anointed king? Is this the holy one? Or is, is, is this the king of Israel? Is this the man after God's own heart? Is this the man? This one who is playing the fool and acting like he's lost his mind, who's afraid of the king of the Philistines, who's afraid of Saul, and run to the Philistines? Is this the man who says, I'll trust in the Lord, so I shall not be moved? Yeah, that's the man. That's the man. And beloved, that's the very man I can identify with. Can you? Because I'm both that man that says and indeed does trust in the Lord that shall not be moved. And that new man, that new man in me, ever sees that old man that's filled with nothing but fears and doubts. You see, I'm both that old man of sin, weakness and fear. And I'm that new man of faith. Indeed, both men are me. And there are moments in my day and yours, beloved, you know, you go through your day. You know how it is. 
You're feeling such peace and you're trusting Christ. And then shortly thereafter, you find yourself full of a reverent fear of, am I even the Lord's? Am I even yours, Lord? And that's every day for you who believe on Christ. And so what am I going to do in those daily moments of fear and doubt? Beloved, trust in the Lord. He's the only one trustworthy. He's the only one trustworthy. Don't trust yourself. Trust Him. Now these, these kings of the earth, the powerful people of this earth, they're not trustworthy. But our God is trustworthy. And so, beloved, you trust Him, trusting His character, trusting His promises, trusting His grace, His mercy, and His love. And so, beloved, when we fear, trust the Lord. Now, there are times when fear is a good thing. Indeed, there are things we ought to be afraid of. My friend, we ought to be afraid of our sin damning us. And so when you find yourself afraid like that, trust in Christ. Trust Him as the sacrifice for your sins. You see, my friend, you and I ought to be afraid of any of, of standing before God naked without any righteousness. And so if you find yourself fearing that, trust in the Lord. Trust Christ, your righteousness. Often, we're afraid of being apostate. Lord, is it I? Will I go away? Will I deny the gospel? Beloved, when you find yourself fearing that, trust the Lord. Trust your God who holds his people in his mighty hand and will not let them go. No man, no one, and nothing can pluck you out of his mighty hand, beloved. My friend, trust him. He will not let his people go. When that old man begins to whisper to you and his charges are true, and you begin to find yourself being afraid, God's going to cast me off, and he ought to, I mean, there's no reason I can see in me for God keeping me. He ought to just cast me off. And so, beloved, when you find yourself fearing that, trust God. Trust His mercy and His justice. You see, my friend, God's not going to cast out His people. He's merciful to them. And so God won't cast His people off because God's just. And justice has already been satisfied for His people in the sacrifice of His beloved well-pleasing Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's not going to cast away his people, for it would be unjust for him to do so. For God killed his only begotten Son to put away your sin. And so, beloved, he's not going to cast you out. And so just trust him. And then there are times we fear things that are certainly common to all of us. And so we, we ought not to be lofty and and say things like we don't fear. Truth be told, we all fear. We all fear. Many of us have fears every day, every morning. Indeed, days come when we find ourselves being afraid of death. And so, my believing sinner, when you find yourself fearing death, trust Him. Trust Christ who already died for you. He took the sting away of death. Trust Him who saves to the uttermost. Now, if He almost saved us, beloved, we'd have reason to fear. But, beloved, He saves us to the uttermost. And so there's no reason to fear. And we're afraid of losing our wife or our husband. 
If you find yourself fearing that, beloved, trust in the Lord. He's your spouse. He's your husband. He'll take you up. He'll provide for you. He'll keep you when you find yourself being afraid of losing your parents and being left an orphan. And that can happen at any age. I mean, no matter how old you are, nobody wants to lose their parents. And so when you find yourself afraid like that, trust in the Lord. Trust God, our Father. He'll take you up. He'll never forsake you. David writes in another psalm, and we heard this read to us earlier, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Now, David's not merely speaking of his parents forsaking him or running off, but further how that when the Lord took them, he says, even so, the Lord will take me up. The Lord will not forsake me. And so, beloved, trust in the Lord. I've got a daughter and a wife to feed and take care of. And, beloved, I know you have loved ones to take care of. And we fear about how we're going to pay for this or pay for that, afraid we're going to lose this job or this quote. But, beloved, fear not. Beloved, fear not. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. And David writes in another place, Though the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Beloved, not one time have I ever been forsaken of the Lord. Indeed, all of our fears are just wasted energy. So trust in the Lord. He whose name is Jehovah Jireh is going to provide for us. When you're afraid of losing your health, just trust the Lord. Trust him to give strength for your soul. Don't be acting a fool like David did. Don't seek help where it's not to be found. But rather, seek help in the Lord. Where the Lord is, there is help. Where the Lord is, there is strength. Trust Him. Trust the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there are countless things that scare us and worry us every day. Every day we never know if we're going to turn around a corner or run into one of our fears. And my friend, they're real fears. I mean, they're things we're truly and really afraid of. So what are we to do? My friend, trust in the Lord. Trust Christ. Faith trusts Christ. Indeed, faith trusts when real fears are present. You see, if there was nothing to fear, we wouldn't need faith, now would we? Rather, faith trusts when fears are present. And so, beloved, every day flee to Christ. Every day run to Him. Every day hide yourself in Him and trust Him to be your shelter. Look what David says in verse 11. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Trusting in the Lord, the believer confesses, I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. It's remarkable when we hear our Lord teach us, don't be afraid of him who can merely kill the body and do no more. Fear him who can kill the body and cast your soul into hell. That's talking about God. Don't fear him with a gun in his hand. Don't fear him with a knife in his hand. Fear the one who can both kill your body and cast you into hell. Fear God. Fear God. Verse 4. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. 
David says he'll praise God's word because he has put his trust in God. And so, beloved, we trust in God and praise what he says in his word. And if doing that, if we're trusting in God, if we're doing that, if we're trusting God, if we're trusting Christ and praising what he says in his word, I'm not going to fear what the flesh, mine or anybody else's, can do unto me. Because praise his word, we trust in the Lord, not in the flesh. So, beloved, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord to provide your physical needs. Don't trust the flesh. Trust the Lord to save your soul. Don't trust in what the flesh can do. Rather, beloved, trust the Lord. In God will I praise his word. In God I have put my trust. And indeed, when we set forth his word and exhort ourselves to trust him, that will feed and comfort our weary hearts. Now, this word praise can also be rendered to celebrate or to boast or to rave about. Well, then let's celebrate. Let's boast and rave about the message of God's word. You see, if we hear it and believe it, I'm not going to fear the flesh, not mine or anybody else's. I'll not fear what flesh can do unto me. What does his word declare? God's word clearly declares salvation is found in Christ alone, not in my goodness, not in my morality. And so then I'm not going to be afraid of the badness and sin of my flesh because I'm trusting Christ. I'm not trusting what I do or what I am. Rather, I'm trusting what he's done and who he is. Indeed, I'm trusting his word. And his and, and God's word says salvation is by grace and not by works. And so I'm not going to be afraid of how sinful I am. I'm not going to be afraid that I don't have any works acceptable to God because I'm trusting God's grace. I'm not trusting my works. I'm trusting his finished saving work. And the word of God says, if I'm trusting God's grace, I have a good hope through grace. God's word reveals who he is. God's holy. He's just. He's sovereign. He's good. He's gracious. God's word reveals the Lord Jehovah, and he's God, my savior. The word tells us how it is that God saves sinners. You see, it's through our God and Savior, Christ Jesus the Lord. It's through His obedience, not yours, beloved. It's through His sacrifice for His people by His death, His burial, His resurrection, His ruling, reigning power. And God, help me. God, enable me. I'm going to rave about that. I'm going to celebrate my salvation, my redemption in Christ Jesus, and not be afraid. How can I be afraid? I mean, if I'm boasting in the message of God's word, if I'm celebrating the message of God's word, how can I be afraid? I know we think, but men won't listen. My neighbors won't listen. My coworker won't listen. They'll just twist my words. It's so aggravating. Look at verse 5. David knew something of this. Every day they rest my words. They did the same thing to David. They twisted his words and they did the same thing to the Lord Jesus Christ. He talked about raising the temple of his body up in three days, and they said, this man has lost his mind. He said he can rebuild Solomon's temple in three days. Look there with me at Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 3. Beginning in verse 14.
Peter writes there in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. God is going to make his beloved people without spot and blameless. Verse 15, Beloved, account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Isn't that wonderful? The wonderful gospel message, how that salvation is on account of the long-suffering of our God, and he makes his people without blame and without spot. Verse 16. Again, this is from Second Peter, chapter 3. It's continuing there. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest or twist the meaning of, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. You see, they're constantly resting and twisting the scriptures, twisting them and perverting them out of their meaning. Well, where did that get them? Their own destruction. Again, verse 16, the latter part there. As they do also the other scriptures, twisting them and resting them unto their own destruction. God help us from being unstable, from being unlearned. God help us not to rest and twist the scriptures, but take the scriptures as they are and believe and rest in them. Again, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 17. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And so how am I going to do that? How am I not going to be led away with the air of the wicked? How am I not going to fall from my steadfastness? How can I possibly grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Savior? By being taught of God by his word. That's how. You see, every time his word is declared... Every time his word is preached, God is pleased to save his people. And so, my friend, read it, study it, listen to it preached whenever you can. All right, back on our text. Psalm 56, verse 5. Every day they rest my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. And we see all these enemies, they're resting my words and twisting them. They're mean to me. They're evil to me. And it stresses me out. Well, what does God, what does the word of God say? Speaking of the evil that men do. They meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. As for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring it to pass as it is this day, to save much people. Verse 6. They gather themselves together, they hide themselves, they mark my steps, when they wait for my soul. All these enemies gather together because they think they've got strength in numbers and they're always nipping at my heels. I can't get away from them. But what does the word of God say? 
they did the exact same thing to our Savior. They all gathered together, did they not? They all banded together, both Jews and Gentiles. They all got together. They gathered themselves together to do what they wanted to do. And when they did, what happened? They accomplished God's eternal purpose. They accomplished God's purpose of salvation through the sacrifice of His Son. And so I'm not going to fear them. Rather, I'm going to celebrate what God's Word says. They're not going to accomplish what they want to do. Indeed, when they do what they want to do, all they're doing, all their wicked, evil doing, is accomplishing the will of my Heavenly Father. And so I'm going to praise His Word and trust in Him. Look with me in Job chapter 5. Job chapter chapter 5. Now David talks about these enemies being so subtle and our enemies are indeed crafty and cunning. I mean, you've got to be wise as a serpent. Now, be wise like one, but, but don't be one. And harmless as a dove when dealing with the enemies of the cross. But but listen to this in Job chapter 5, and beginning in verse 12. The Lord disappointeth the devices of the crafty. He disappointeth the devices of the crafty, so that their hands cannot perform their enterprise. He taketh the wise in their own craftiness, and the counsel of the froward is carried headlong. They meet with darkness in the daytime and grope in the noonday as in the night. Beloved, that's what our God does with the crafty, with the wise. Verse 15. But the Lord saveth the poor from the sword, from their mouth, and from the hand of the mighty. So the poor hath hope, and iniquity has stopped her mouth. Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth, Therefore despisest not thou the chastening of the Almighty. For the Lord maketh sore, and bindeth up. The Lord woundeth, and his hands make whole. He shall deliver thee in six troubles, yea, in seven there shall no evil touch thee. You see, beloved, everything that's happening is all for God's delivering purpose. It's not to the devices of the crafty. Indeed, the plans of the forward shall come to nothing for they're just going to go headlong off the cliff of God's wrath. But God's going to save His people. He'll save the poor. He'll keep them. That's what God's Word says, and we praise Him for that. Look at Psalm 56, verse 7. Shall they escape by iniquity in thine anger? Shall they escape by iniquity? In thine anger cast down the people, O God. Now David is speaking here about those so-called good things that people do to try to commend themselves to God. That's what God calls iniquity. And beloved, those things that we thought were our righteousnesses before God, well, God says they're nothing more than filthy, ruined rags. And we think, but this is what the religious world is doing. And they look so good, these legalists and these reformed people. I mean, just watch them. They look so good. They act so holy. It just seems like God is heaping blessing upon blessing upon them. Now, hold on. What does the Word of God say? Our Lord ran across people just like that. Remember those Pharisees? 
And what did our Lord tell them? Woe unto you. Woe unto you, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but are within full of dead men's bones, and are of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. According to our Lord, their outward pretended show of goodness wasn't going to save them. And so, beloved, don't try to be like them. Rather, celebrate what God's Word says. God's Word says salvation is in Christ, and so trust in Him. Trust Him to be a righteousness. Trust Him to cleanse you from your sins. Trust Him who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity. Beloved, I can rejoice in that. I can praise that. I can celebrate that. He redeemed His people from all iniquity. All right, verse 8. Thou tellest my wanderings. Thou tellest my wanderings. Ever feel like you're wandering around, just aimlessly wandering with no rhyme or reason? I bet Joseph felt that way. He's in prison, and Joseph thought he knew what was going on. And then after he spent so much time in prison, I bet he just thought, I don't know what's going on. Who can tell my wanderings? Well, what does God's word declare? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Now, I don't know why I am what I am, but I know this, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I'm going to celebrate his mercy and grace, and, I, and how that my God reigneth, and that I'm exactly where God has ordained me to be. And I can rest in that. And, beloved, that can be applied to my wanderings and to my sorrows. That can be applied to your wanderings and your sorrows. Again, verse 8. Thou tellest my wanderings, put thou my tears into the, thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? There was an old custom in ancient Persia during funeral processions. I was learning this week about how they'd find these old little tear bottles in tombs and they'd catch the tears in a bottle and seal them up. I suppose to seal up the sorrow and have it to be a memorial for such a sad time. And so what David is celebrating here is the Word of God, even in his tears. You know why he's celebrating? Because it's not just anybody that's putting his tears away. No, no. For David is writing of how it is that the Lord puts my tears into his bottle. All my tears, all my suffering, all my sorrows, the Lord himself is personally going to visit his people. He prayed, Father, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. You see, he personally knows each tear. He personally knows each sorrow and catches them and puts them in his bottle. And so now I can celebrate any time for the Lord visited me in a time of salvation. He visited me to comfort me. I can celebrate that. You see, I'm going to have times of sorrow. I'm going to have times of trouble and heartache. But what David is celebrating is the Lord has promised he'll comfort his people. And he'll not forget the sorrows and sufferings in each of each and every one of his precious sheep and each and every one of his precious lambs. 
God has both a bottle and a book. He's got a bottle to seal up the tears, and he's got a bottle or a book to remember the sorrows. Beloved, God doesn't forget our sorrows. You see, God will comfort his people, and he's not going to forget you. Rather, he'll store up those tears because his people are precious to him. His heart is moved by the suffering of his people, and so in due time, he'll comfort his people. And I'll tell you how he'll do it. By his word, by the gospel, by Christ and him crucified. That's exactly how he's going to do it. He's going to comfort his people by the gospel of God concerning his son, Jesus Christ. Verse 9. When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. Indeed, the enemy retreats every time I cry unto the Lord. And my friend, they'll never retreat unless we cry unto the Lord. Remember, our Lord said, without me, you can do nothing. Not some things, beloved. He said, without me, you can do nothing. And so, my friend, be wise and cry unto the Lord daily. Just cry out to him because he knows. And that's comforting to me because I don't know a lot. You know, there's that old expression, the more you learn, the less you know, that, that old saying. And so, most certainly, there's a lot of things I don't know. But by God's grace, I do know the only thing that matters. <laughs> and that's how that all God's mercy, all God's grace is found in Christ, my all and in all. I love how frequently God's word sets forth how that not only do we believe, beloved, but we know. We know that the Son of Man is come. We know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Beloved, we just don't believe that. We know that. Indeed, I know salvation is by grace. I know salvation is in Christ. I know Christ is my sure and steadfast hope. Now, while David doesn't know everything, this one thing David and all of God's people knows is this. God is for me. Now, if I really believe that, indeed, if I have been made to know that, then I'm not going to fear all those things I don't understand. If God is for me, then who can be against me? Beloved, believing sinner of God, God is for me and for you. He sent his son into the world to save sinners like you and me. And he has delivered my soul from death. Verse 13. Beloved, seeing how that he has delivered us from eternal death, how will he not also deliver us from falling that we, we may walk before him in the light of the living? For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling that I may walk before God in the light of the living? Amen.